Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On today's show... We tried to put that Raptors game to bed last night, but we woke up angry, and we're going to talk about it. Our listeners are on fire as well. We're going to read your mail later in the show. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on... Locked on... Locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day, whenever you need it. Today's episode is brought to you by Frame Warehouse. They have the guaranteed best price on your next framing project. Visit framewarehouse.net and find the location nearest to you in Charlotte. They have six locations. Find one that's convenient to you and get your next framing project done at Frame Warehouse. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Doug, we're going to stay positive, man. I'll be honest with you. If we had to do these shows right after a couple of these games, I don't know what what the tenor would be. You know what I mean? David, we're on the exact same wavelength. We didn't even talk about this before the show, but I, I came in here thinking... Like it's good in a way that we don't do these shows right after the game because I was very upset after the game and I don't get you know we watch a lot of basketball now David and and that tends to it does tend to dull the senses a little bit in terms of you know you're you're trying to examine things across the the entire season and put things in perspective right right and so you lose a little bit of that emotion game to game. But I was upset by that game. So it's good in a way from just a stepping back and analyzing the game kind of way. But at the same time, I want to recapture a little bit of that energy because I know that people that are Uh listening to this show right now are probably still upset about that game. And frankly, David, I think they have every right to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the challenge, I think, is for you and I to you know with you know hold on to some of that hot white hot energy and anger i think i mean that's it's turned into anger at this point like at one point it was kind of funny not funny but you could kind of make yourself laugh at it but i mean last night was just well the reason you, you know, could did, make did yourself you, i think the reason you could make yourself laugh about it david is because we've seen the script so many times and we've also right. seen the hornets turn things around so many times you can laugh when there is belief you can laugh when there is hope and and i think when that laughter starts to become anger is when that hope starts to slip away a little bit i don't think that i'm not devoid of hope there are 20 eric collins set the tone for me at the very end of the broadcast 26 games left a third of the season to go it's certainly not a time to lose complete hope but it's starting to wane at this point yeah, that game was a lot like. Have you seen this clip of this UCLA cheerleader who had the unfortunate uh, fall and then got and know, then fell again? <laughs> yeah. Then, then then the security guard or, or the the staff member carrying out pile driver uh, on the way out. That was kind of what that game <laughs> oh, was like. 
We joke. I, I hope she's. I think she's okay. She's so. perfectly. They wouldn't have shown it on television if uh, if she was no. was not okay. One would one would think. All right. So uh, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast on the NFL, the NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. So, David, let's let's recap this game. The Hornets lose. In Toronto, 90 to 85 coming into this game. You know, Toronto a little bit in flux. First of all, they're, they were uh, in danger of being fifth place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they've, they had lost, I think, six out of their last 10. They just made the big trade for Serge Ibaka, but Ibaka was not going to play in this game because it, it, the trade was not finalized yet. And so there was reason to believe, and even our fearless leader, David Locke, mentioned that road teams. Uh, tend to have a little better chance at winning these games on the last night before the All-Star break. Some of the home teams resting on their laurels a little bit. So everything was set up for the Hornets to to have a shot at at a really good Toronto Raptors basketball team. And uh, they got off to a little slow start. Uh, They they only score, what, 20 points in that first quarter, allow 31 points. That's a trend that we've been seeing. Um, But then... They outscore the Raptors 21 to 13 in that second quarter. And, and Kimba just went thermonuclear, David. Four straight uh-huh. three pointers, 15 points in the first half, all from, from three. He essentially was the Hornets' offense yep. and got them within three at the half. Yep. And, and, you know, Frank Kaminsky was awarded player of the game last night on the broadcast, which we'll talk about Frank in a bit. But without Kimba, as we know, this team would not be in a lot of these games. And that's how I felt last night because that run he went on hitting four straight three pointers and, and bringing them back literally single handedly, Doug. I mean, it was, it was Kimball Walker and you could tell he was feeling it. It was so good to see that Kimball Walker back again because he was pulling up and taking those threes when he had just a glimmer, just a, just a slim bit of daylight, you know, coming around a screen or even just pulling up after coming down the court. I mean, that was. You know, we're going to search and look for positive things coming out of this game. That was certainly one of them. So that was good to see. Well, it was because he he was turning the basketball over as well. And so, you know, and then and then missing at the rim. And so it was nice to see him go, okay, that one thing's not working. The other thing's not working. All right, I'm going to go to my three-point shot. And boy, he, uh, did he work. Yeah, he finishes the game. He likes playing against the Raptors. I, I mean, know. No, he, he yeah, seems exactly. Like he, he has a good game against them. And had they not schemed against him in the fourth quarter, and had anyone else been able to step up and take some pressure off of him, he could have had another you know, really memorable game. But he finishes this one 24 points, 9 assists, 2 steals, 4 rebounds. Just a fantastic game. 6 of 10 from beyond the arc for Kimba Walker. Uh, then we go to the third quarter, and things got even better for the Hornets. Toronto did not score for the first five minutes of the third quarter. You had Hornets uh, cutting everywhere, cuts on cuts on cuts. Um, they outscore the Raptors 34 to 14 by 20 points. They go up 17 heading in to uh, the fourth quarter. And this is a great time to start talking about Frank Kaminsky, uh, 20 points uh, by the time that third quarter ended. And he scored 11 of those in the third quarter. He was scoring inside and out. Bebe Nogueira, who was, who was his defensive assignment, had uh, no idea how to guard him. Yeah, I mean, is he a center now, Doug? I mean, is this the best that we can hope out of Frank? I mean, it's certainly the best we've seen him play over extended stretch. And, I mean, I know some of the numbers may not bear it out when you look at, you know, just like shooting percentages and given the increased minutes he's playing. But, I mean, you're starting to see a real difference 
with him going up against some of these centers, aren't you? Well, yeah. I mean, in in particular matchups, that's the thing. He was going up against Kevin yeah. Oguera. Yeah. And so it's particular matchups that you're seeing this this glimmer of hope. But I said this when I when I was on uh, the Pulse on ESPN 7:30. It's just you don't see that consistency, and and right. I have to look at what the stats are now. But before this game, he was shooting 32 percent from beyond the arc, and that's his big, you know, on offense. That's going to be his big uh, matchup uh, advantage. And if he's not shooting better than that. Then all all the places that they can hurt the Hornets when Frank Kaminsky is at center, like on defense, you know those those things aren't counteracting one another. But look, well, if he's if he's going to score yeah. twenty seven points, five rebounds, and three assists, yeah, absolutely, you're going to take I mean, that at the center yeah. position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a huge spike, but I mean, I think more to the point that I was seeing last night, like he shot seven three pointers, which is kind of what he shoots on a nightly basis. But he took eighteen shots overall. I mean, he was eleven of eighteen. And he was making moves in the basket and cutting. And I, I'm wondering if, you know, his his quickness on some of these center matchups is going to be to his advantage. You know, like you said, it's not going to be every night, but I'm just, you know, I mean, we oh, should wonder I mean, this, if, this if, game more than ever showed that he, it seems like he's on the Cody Zeller trajectory, but has an outside shot. Like he's everything yeah. they wanted Cody Zeller to be. Uh, but he's also going to take that trajectory to center, and it's partly because you know that's how that's how these things go. That's how that's how the game is going right now. All right, got to take a quick second yeah. to tell you about our friends at Frame Warehouse. If you have a poster or a jersey or just something that's been laying around the house that deserves to be on your wall, you've been waiting to get it framed. Don't wait any longer. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse. We are proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They have the guaranteed best price on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. Sports memorabilia, posters, maybe something for your kid's bedroom, a jersey. Uh, you know, uh, David, you play a lot of rec league basketball. I'm sure you've won a couple of championships. Don't you want your rec league jersey on the wall that's, that's to remember? So nice Absolutely. As soon as I hang them up, they're all getting retired. It's like MKG. <laughs> he, he frames, I think MKG goes there, frames all of his old jerseys. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, so be listen, be like MKG, go to Frame Warehouse. Right. You know, framing sometimes it can seem like a little bit of a daunting task. What kind of frame do I get? What color, glass or no glass? Luckily, Frame Warehouse, they have framing experts. They're going to walk you through the entire process and turn your project around super quick and for a great price. Don't let your prize possessions, your rec league jerseys go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one near you and tell them Locked on Hornet sent you. And honestly, look, David, if you go to Frame Warehouse to get your projects framed, you're, you're supporting local business and you're supporting local podcast. So that's, right. that's an even even added reason uh, to go to them. All right, let's get back to this game. Of course, we, we've only mentioned good things at this point, um, but that's because we only talked about the, the first three quarters. But the Hornets do lose this game 90-85 to because in the fourth quarter, the Raptors would open up an 18 to nothing run. Uh, what, what happened to the offense, David, uh, to allow this 18 to nothing run to happen and, and, and the Toronto Raptors to take the lead? Oh, man. I mean, they just got blitzed on one side, right? I mean, Clifford talked about it. They had a little 7-0 run to start that fourth quarter. I think he called a timeout then, 
and then um, they maybe turned it over coming right out of that. But to me, they well, okay. So the second unit was in there, right? And they just could not get any of the offense going. Doug, they're up. Well, they have seventeen going into the fourth. Yes. And they shoot thirteen three pointers in the fourth quarter. Some of the dumbest crap I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they it, it was not working. They were not going in. And instead of, you know, trying to get to the basket or moving the ball around, they, they just could not do it. So they had to keep shooting these threes and just clank after clank after clank after clank. And even when Kimba came back in, the Raptors just full-on blitzed him with two people and said, hey, anyone else on the floor, hit a shot. And, <laughs> you know, how I many field goals they made in that fourth quarter? Three. So they just couldn't do it. I mean, it was, it was brutally frustrating to watch. The turnovers certainly didn't help. Um, you know, they were able to claw their way back to within two, I believe, on a Frank Kaminsky three-pointer late. But, I mean, the story of that fourth quarter was they just couldn't score for like, I mean, how long was it, Doug, beginning of that fourth quarter? They didn't score like eight minutes or something? Yeah, almost. And so you mentioned the three-pointers, two of 13 from beyond the arc. Marvin Williams missed three. He went over three. Kaminsky was one of three. Nick Batum, one of four. Kimba Walker, oh of one. And Marco Bellinelli, oh for two. And only 10 points scored in that third, in that fourth quarter, uh, Nick Batum did hit the big one uh, to get them within two, and they needed that one stop. And I watched that play over and over. That final oh. play where Lowry dumps it off to Valanciunas, or excuse me, Pirtle, and Pirtle uh, then drops it off to Damari Carroll for basically the nail in the coffin three in the corner. And you know that play, yeah. it's just you're you're in a position. Um, where you're against a Toronto Raptors team that's feeling confident in that fourth quarter and they have shot makers. And I think Marvin Williams was maybe just a half second late on the closeout, but honestly, like that's that's a situation you shouldn't have been in in the first place and you leave it yeah. to shot makers and Damari Carroll just made an exceptional shot. And the turnovers as well, two brutal turnovers from Nick Batum, six turnovers overall. He's averaging 2.7 per game on the season which we always talk about, you know, he creates so much that it's there's a little bit of creative tax with some of those turnovers. But in this 12-game stretch where they've lost 11 games, 3.3 turnovers. And as WFNZ's Chris Kroger points out, over that stretch, he's had five games of four or more turnovers. And those are just devastating, yeah. including versus Sacramento and New York back in late January. And those were two really close games. And this was a really close game. And you have to give yourself an opportunity to win the basketball game. And and those two turnovers by Nick Batum were, were just absolutely devastating. So the kickball is one I've never seen before. Um, when his foot is just lying on the ball. Yeah, it was just well, it was a you know, it was a mishandle. And, and then yeah. that that one at least he was kind of trying to make a play, but the bad pass turnover. And, and to be fair, Kimba had a bad pass turnover in that fourth quarter during that eighteen to nothing run. So a lot of the guys. Did. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not game. all Nick Batum, but no. he's the guy you're going to highlight because that bad pass turnover. It was just, and even Stephanie Reddy on the broadcast mentioned that you've got to like do a fake pass, uh, do some kind of. You can't just in that situation when the rat. And here's the thing, David. The Raptors needed that basketball game just as much as the Hornets did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 17 turnovers for Charlotte. That's something that is talked about every time you talk about the Hornets. It's why they were winning early was keeping the turnovers low. You know, they had an advantage in that, and they haven't had an advantage in that lately. And 17 points, on, I mean, 17 turnovers on the road 
against a desperate team, a, a good team, you're not going to be able to win. And you're right. Like, okay, so the kickball is one thing, but some of these passes, Stephanie Reddy is exactly right. As she usually is. There's, there's no ball fake. There's no aggressiveness on the pass. It's just, it's literally almost held out there. And he's acting like these defenders are not even there. And they're just going to let him get these passes through. You know, it's ridiculous. And they're all, you know, there's turnovers that you talked about. They're above the, uh, you know, above the, uh, what do you call them there, Doug? Oh, the aft. Yeah, the aft. Sorry, I'm looking up my next stat that I'm going to mention. Sorry, yeah, the (laughs) aft turnovers, the above the free throw line. It kills Uh, you. It kills you because it allows allows the other team to get into transition, into the fast break, and Toronto killed the Hornets in the fast break in this game. 17 points on the fast break to Charlotte's four. And yeah, there's yep. above the free throw line turnovers. Copyright 2017, uh, locked on Hornets. The aft turnovers. That's the, that's a really concerning thing to me about Nick. Like you know, people were really concerned about the scoring and about the the contract. And you don't give a guy that doesn't score that much that kind of money. Like I really don't care about the scoring at this point. I think he's going to give you the scoring that you, frankly, you know, you can live no, with. No, just allow going to be better. Allow than the team to to have a chance to win the game. You can't do that when you're the second creator, which he is. I mean, that's what he's brought in to do is be the creator. That's why he wanted to be here. That's why he stayed here to have a, a an, uh, an effect and, and, on the and offense. Let's, and let's mention this, David. The brutal part about this is that I think back to the three that Nick Batum hit, and that's the perfect Nick Batum play because it was it was a tough three point shot. And what did I say all last season about Nick Batum? The reason that uh, he was most missed when he was injured in that playoff series and and late into the season, is that he's the one guy who you can give the ball to and he can create and make a tough shot. And he he hits clutch shots. And so you have that aspect to his game. And then, but where's the concentration in, in, in those situations where he turns the ball over? It's just, it's inexplicable. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Um, you know, maybe we should look back at some of these old Blazers tapes. <laughs> and, you know, we've seen some of this from the French national team, but we didn't see like this last year. I mean, we didn't see it to this degree. And look, everything's going bad. So it's, it's almost like every bad thing is amplified. Hopefully he can snap out of it. But you're right. I mean, that's a point that I wanted to bring up at some point was that, you know, that's what they were missing in that playoff game. Another guy that could create and make his own shot. And Nick was the hope for that because, you know, like you said, he was injured. I, you know, I just I don't know. I mean, they have got to really take a, a go over this roster with a fine tooth comb and figure out what exactly they need and what exactly they're going to have going forward because he's got to give them more than that. He cannot give them those turnovers. He can't kill them at the end of the game like that. Yeah, and again, he was not the only guy turning the basketball over. Six for Nick, no. uh, three for MKG, three for Kimba Walker, uh, two for Marco Bellinelli. So it, it is a team wide problem, uh, and it was not. It was not the. I mean, look. Nick Batum had some brutal turnovers when the Hornets finally got their offense together in the fourth quarter, but it was that 18 to nothing run and not being able to mm-hmm. score. Um, and what did I have mm-hmm. to say on that? Oh, there, cause there were some other yeah. things that I, that I witnessed during that. So it was a couple of things. They took Kimball Walker out of the game. Absolutely. They switched every single screen that he was a part of shaded guys over same thing. We've been seeing um, game after game. Clifford also mentioned bad screening, and some of that was the fact that they had to play Mike Toby. I mean, Toby missed yeah. a couple of screening opportunities, and you, you know, know it's the NBA, there. so there's no excuses. Like Mike Toby, go out there and make a screen. You have to show up. Um, you know, I, I thought he had some great hustle in the first half, 
Uh, I, you know, I understand it's his first NBA game ever, but that's, you know, that's just sort of the situation that the Hornets are in. They're down, they're down bodies at this point, especially uh, underneath the basket. And, and so that was a factor as well. Um, and then, of course, yeah, the turnovers just sort of stifled everything. Toby, Toby Graham Roberts. I mean, that, that was that was I a lineup in the first quarter. Yeah, when when uh, Jeremy Lamb had three fouls, and that's another thing. Lamb taking himself out of this game. I mean, only eleven minutes yeah. for Lamb, six points, and a lot of that because he was in foul trouble. Uh, yeah. Some other things I, I mean, saw in the fourth quarter, David, and we've been seeing these, and it's like they disappeared for two quarters, the second and the third, and then they came rearing back in the fourth. Missed open three-point shots by Marvin in the corner. Uh, missed box outs that led to a Raptors offensive rebound that was was critical during that time. And, uh, of course, I mentioned the late closeout on Damari Carroll. Um, tough. I mean, Marvin Williams, 13.6% from the three-point line in his last five games. 26% in the month of, of February. I don't know what to say. I don't I mean, know what to say. Not just that. He looks exhausted. He looks a step slow, and that's saying something. He played 38 the, minutes. I mean, the starters are having uh, to play a lot of minutes. Kemba's played 42 minutes. You know, they talked about how it's not because anyone is not good, speaking about Roberts and Sessions, but Kemba's that good. But Kemba hasn't been playing 42 minutes. I mean, so you can't sit there and say that, you know, you're fine where you are and then you've got Kemba playing those 42 minutes because he has to because that's going to be the only way you can win. I and mean, listen, this this team, David, we can admit this, this team had issues when they were fully healthy. Yeah. And now now it's just simply a bad basketball team whenever the lineup breaks. And the starters, the, starters, the problem it, is the lineup breaks and, and then the game breaks and then the starters aren't shooting well enough to come back and they're turning the ball over too much to win close games. It's like a perfect storm of bad basketball, which, okay, here, I, I want to play what, what Clifford said. So this, this is this Clifford after the game. game. Sorry, this is Clifford after the game. Um, basically saying, look, the Hornets, because of all of these factors going wrong at the same time, the Hornets cannot afford to take a break. This all-star game, a lot of teams will come back here and not be ready. Um, we have, uh, if we want to win, we're serious about winning. They can take one, two days off. They need to be in the gym. And uh, we have, I just told them, frankly, I've told them it before, is we only have one or two guys who have played near the level that I feel they should be playing at. Um, and sometimes guys need to hear it, even in this league. We need better individual play. And uh, if we do, we'll have a chance to be in the playoffs. And if guys play at the level they played at through 56 games, it's not going to be enough. Not going to be enough, says Steve Clifford. And he says hey. one or two guys. He says one or two. One, one is Kimba Walker. Who do you think is the second guy? Well, it's, that's what I'm I saying. Is sure. He said one, one and a half or two. Okay, so it's or two. Uh, last night it was Frank Kaminsky going 11 of 18 from yeah. the field, 27 points, knocking down key shots. Some nights it can be Nick Batum. Uh, hell, some nights it's Michael Kidd Gilchrist giving you a ton of offensive rebounds, points out of nowhere, and uh, you know, generally affecting the game that way. But it's been or two. That's really the problem. It's or two. It's not one, two, or three. I think the Hornets would be in playoff. They'd be in playoff contention right now if it were one, two, or three. Got to get yeah. back in the gym. Uh, Can't take a break. I don't know. I think Marvin needs to go lie in like a hyperbaric chamber or something for just the entire All Star break and see if he can get some of his leg back. I mean, 
So now the Hornets, they've lost four in a row now. They are 24-32, and 11th place in the Eastern Conference, a half game back of the Miami Heat. Think about that. Half game back of the Miami Heat. They're a game and a half, excuse me, two and a half games out of eighth place in the Eastern Conference. Look, Steve Clifford, he's going to have a lot of time, and he's not going to take a break either. He's got a lot of time to think. Do you expect... I mean, we we could expect Cody Zeller to be back. Mike Toby, hopefully, um, excuse me, not Mike Toby, but Miles Plumley will hopefully be back mm-hmm. as well. But do you expect a shakeup at this point? I feel I feel like it, it might be. I would not be surprised, is what I'll say. I wouldn't be surprised either because you can hear the frustration in his voice. You don't often hear him challenging guys in press conferences, right, or like outside of the locker room. He doesn't do that a lot. Um, I think that's the chance. Look, if, if guys aren't getting in the gym th- that are that are that don't have an excuse, like Kimball Walker, who's going to actually be yeah. at All Star Weekend, but or if Frank, guys Frank and you know like he's that. gonna he's gonna find some time. Um, but if there yeah. aren't other guys giving that commitment, I could totally see some changes happening. It's official. Podcasts are where advertisers want to be. More and more people are listening to podcasts every day, and studies show that podcast listeners are some of the most engaged consumers out there. If you have a business or service, consider a sponsorship on Locked On Hornets. Rates are affordable, and you'll be supporting the best Hornets talk anywhere. Send an email to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com for more information. All right, let's get to some let's get to some listener mail. First timer Jason writing in uh, saying, first of all, been listening to you guys for a while and absolutely love what you are doing. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Jason. We really appreciate you listening. Jason Jason continues, I don't know what irks me more, the fact that we blew a 17-point fourth quarter lead or that it really wasn't a surprise. It didn't help that it happened so quickly. It's not like it took the whole quarter for them to take the lead. We made it so easy for Toronto to get back into that game. We waste good performances from Kemba, Frank, and even MKG. He took DeRozan out of the game. We didn't even mention that, David, that DeMar DeRozan did not play in the fourth quarter because Dwayne Casey stuck with the lineup that was working for them. And DeRozan was a non, he's been a non factor for, he's been a little banged up, but he's been a non factor for several games. MKG doing a fantastic job of not allowing him to get into his his groove. Uh, And Jason finishes up. P.S. Thanks for swatting away all of this tanking chatter that has been on the local airwaves. Pretty sure they wouldn't watch a team in the process for six years. Well, damn, Jason, that's a great Thank point. You, Jason. That's a great point, Jason. They everyone what that's yeah. the thing. Everyone wants to talk about tank. Nobody wants to watch tank. No. Uh, the people that's the thing. The people that up. the people that hit the button never want to be around for the 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 results of the missiles being fired. So I think we're going to talk about that at some point, Doug, and a little more, um, you know, pay a little more attention to it and, and what tanking really means to people. Because I think it means different things. When people talk about blowing this thing up, if you're talking about getting rid of Kimball Walker, Cody Zeller. And, or Steve uh, Clifford. Know, like, I mean, that's, you know. Right. You've got little – and, and that's not, it's not a big chatter. It's one or two guys on local yeah. radio uh, not or guest, you know, guest on local radio saying – uh, or not guests, but uh, callers. That's what I mean. Callers on right, local radio right. saying we we got to fire Steve Clifford. Nonsense. It's it's. I mean, it's ridiculous at this point. It's 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 not something that I think the direction of this team wants to go. And I think there's other ways to do it. So like history I said, I mean, history the, for this franchise has proven that that the coaching hires 
have not been a strength. So they they found a, a great one in Steve Clifford. Yeah. And if you want to go back to finding the next Dunlap, then, you know, be my guest. Look, look at what he's done with literally up until this year. I'm clearly no all-stars. Um, hardly a star up until this year. Uh, Kimball Walker's put in a ton of work to be where he is, but a lot of that is, you know, in relation to Steve Clifford. He's been a, a solidifying force for him, I think, and I think Kimball would say the same. But, I mean, look, if, if you can give him a few more guys, just imagine what he'll be able to do with guys that can really just come out there and do their own thing, like Kimba, um, like Batum, hopefully more to a degree. Um, but you just can't – in NBA circles, I think this would be laughable, to be honest. Well, the Anybody problem is they, they're, they're in a position where it's going to be tough to get him a few more guys. It's about well, figuring yeah, I mean, out that's the problem. how to get the most that's out the of the lineup. That, that And that's sort of why he issued that challenge. Because he knows this is it. Like this is what he. This is these are the cards that he has been dealt, and he's trying to make the most of those cards. All right, let's go to the next one. uh, One last thing on this, Doug. I don't think there is a better fit, to be honest with you, than Steve Clifford in Charlotte. Um, Do you want another Larry Brown? Do you want another big name who's going to be here for a few years, or do you want a guy who can literally stay here and build as comfortable with the organization as comfortable with MJ? You know, they've built a good relationship. I think that's what you want to do. You want to continue to build. That's what they're doing. You got to have a guy in charge who has a vision, who who has a way that he wants to go about doing things, and that's what you have in Steve Clifford. And I don't think you can avoid, you can afford to just, hey, let's scrap that and start over. It's not that easy. All right. Next question comes from longtime listener Daniel, and Daniel is one of these guys that that hope is slipping away a little bit for Daniel. He writes. There is a narrative that our front office does a poor job with drafting. I tend to play devil's advocate, though, as I try to avoid hindsight bias. If this draft is as loaded as many SBGs, smart basketball guys, say it will be, then I feel like Cho may experience some good fortune with his picks. Do you think Cliff and Cho should continue on with their reclamation project strategy or put stock in adding talent through the draft this year? Kind of goes in line with what we were talking about. I, I again, yeah. I don't, I don't know that those are mutually exclusive. I, I feel like wherever the Hornets well, end up finishing, whether it's late lottery or just outside of the lottery, they're going. It's going to be the same type of talent uh, and and players that they can uh, they can look at. But if they, you know, there, there aren't a ton of players in in the top ten picks that would look interesting to this team or would fit a need. Well, to answer the question, I think they should absolutely be trying to add talent through the draft. I think they would probably prefer to do that. I think they've had to go some of these reclamation projects out of necessity, Doug. They didn't have a lot of other choices. I mean, who else are they going to get in this offseason besides, you know, a Roy Hibbert and take a chance on him? Um, you know, look at the deals they got for Jeremy Lin. Look at the deals they got for Roy Hibbert. Um, so they had to add pieces somewhere. Right. Well, the problem um, is, and, they, and David, they, they have so many. They have a lot of veterans on this team, and when you're talking, unless you're talking about the the you know top three picks, and even those, it's a question of can they come in and and immediately yeah. know the game of NBA basketball better than a ten year veteran. And and nine times out of ten, nine point five times out of ten, the answer to that question is no, they do not. And so then you get no. into well, can you find them playing time? Can you justify playing them over a Marco Bellinelli or a Marvin Williams? And if the answer to that question is no, then you get into trouble with development. So you have to have 
the slots, you know, for certain guys to develop. Yeah, but they, they, they do need to add some, a different type of player to this team. They've got to add some more athleticism, some more explosiveness. If that's in the draft, you know, that's a lot of times where you're going to find that. But they've got to add people. So, I mean, no, I would not be in favor of just continuing to add, you know, reclamation projects and taking chances on guys. And, again, I don't think that's what they want to do, Doug. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously they want to add the best players they can. But I think the scouting has got to get a little better. I think they've got to know exactly what they are going to do when they go into this draft. They've got to be prepared for anything. I mean, that's one of the biggest knocks against them right now. That Celtics trade, regardless of what it was or what you thought of it, it caught them completely off guard, and uh, they weren't able to adjust on the fly. That, that that can't happen. You can't go into a draft like that and be caught flat-footed. you got to be ready for everything, even if it's crazy. All right, final question coming from another longtime listener, Keith. Keith writes in and asks, what would you guys have given up for Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka, of course, going to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Terrence Ross and a first-round pick. Keith uh, suggesting, would you have given up Lamb and a first-round pick, or would we have to give up more MKG and a first-rounder? So, yes and yes. I mean, I think I would have given up Lamb and a first-round pick, and yes, I think we would have had to have given up more. (laughs) We would have had... Well, and the the situation is, uh, the question that... show and I'm sure other general managers across the league had to ask themselves is will Serge Ibaka sign with this team in the offseason sure. and, sure. and can this team afford to have Serge Ibaka sign in the offseason and if the answer to either of those questions is no which I think it's fair to assume that one of those would be no for the Hornets then you can't make the deal right yeah I mean it's a fair question and I think that some the Raptors are going to have to deal with because they have to resign. Lowry as well, and they've got to resign uh, and then try and do something with the Baca. And Lowry is, I think he's 30, 30-ish. So, I mean, um, I think you have to almost have to resign him. So, it's going to be interesting uh, what they do. But that's always something you look at, Doug. But you're getting down into some of these questions about what would you give up and, and what would you lose in order to add a piece like that. And then the, can that piece really make a difference for this team this year? So, the first part of that question is, I think, the most interesting to me. Um, really comes down to MKG, you know, at this point, I think, because you're trying to find pieces that are valuable to other people and they could get some something back. Um, I just, I, I don't and know I keep saying gonna, this I because I keep hearing people that. saying, well, let's, you know, MKG, the, the thing you have to understand is MKG is a, has been a major part of this franchise, but that yeah. doesn't mean anything, really anything to other franchises. They're going to look at raw. They're going to look at raw performance, and they're going to look at the fit on their on their franchise. So, um, I I just think that I think a lot of teams look at MKG and go, "the The jump shot is not developing," and that's that's a a major red flag. And that's a lot of success of this team that was constructed in such a way that every little piece was important, and and as long as that individual piece played its role, then the the team as a whole could succeed, but that doesn't necessarily translate onto other rosters, right? Like that's the way they had to build this team um, so that they could be the most successful. But like you said, the value of, of someone in Charlotte is not going to be the same as the value of, of them somewhere else. So it's tricky. And it's just another, it's, a, it's like another knock against them when they're trying to add people. All right. I lied real quick. One more piece of mail. This one coming from coach Billy from Texas. You remember coach Billy gave us some kind words and we sent him a uh, Hornets duffel bag. He got the duffel bag 
And um, he said, don't worry about our Hornets. We will turn it around. I like and respect Coach Clifford a lot. In my humble opinion, not humble, you're a coach, Billy. We respect that that coach's opinion. Yes. He says, we simply lost too much perimeter scoring and playmaking ability, Lynn and Lee in particular. We finished many games last season with Kemba and Lynn. I mean, I agree. Yeah. Kemba, I mean, you lose. Yeah. You not only lost a backup point guard, you lost a player that could drop 40 in a game against Cleveland. And mm-hmm. and played well against the Spurs. You also lost a player that uh, you could close games with, and yeah, I, I think it's uh, definitely a great point there by Coach Billy. Uh, thanks for those questions, by the way. Send yours, Buzz Buzz at lockedonhornets.com, or you can always tweet us at Locked On Hornets. That'll do it for us here. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and of course, thanks to our sponsor, Frame Warehouse. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. We're back uh, again tomorrow with uh, maybe some all-star talk. How about that, David? We're in the break now. We can we can relax a little bit. Talk about our uh, expectations for all-star weekend, plus much more. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.